Good morning. What a wonderful day it is. This is the day the Lord has designed. We can do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Although, there are some people who say, what about gladness? I ain't got nothing to be glad about. Uh, you're breathing? You're breathing? Right, okay. You walk. <laughs> you drove. You got up this morning. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. So good to be here with you again. And as I told you, I'm always a member. Once I come here, I'm a member at Trinity and Wonder Champions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whether you agree with that or not, that's not your problem. <laughs> so happy to see you all, my dear friend, Pastor Mike, and his precious wife and family on a whole. And good to see all of you today as we celebrate the Lord, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Pentecost, huh? Okay. So Luke chapter 4. Today we are traveling through the wilderness with Jesus. And that's after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Traveling through the wilderness with Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, 1, I'm going to read just up to verse 13. But I'll be capturing some other verses as we look at that Luke chapter 4. I'm reading from the Amplified. Now Jesus, full of an imperfect communion with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for how many days? Forty days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they ended, he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to turn into bread. Jesus replied to him, It is written, for and forever remains written, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he led Jesus up to a high mountain and displayed before him all the kingdoms of the inhabited earth and their, and their magnificence in the twinkling of an eye. And the devil said to him, I will give you all the realm and his glory, his power, his renown, because it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it will all be yours. And Jesus replied to him, it is written and forever remains written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then he led Jesus to Jerusalem. And had him stand on the pinnacle, highest point of the temple, and said mockingly to him, Well, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written and forever remains written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard and protect you. And they will lift you up on their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. 
Jesus replied to him, It is said in Scripture, You shall not tempt the Lord your God to prove him to you, prove himself to you. And when the devil had finished every temptation, he temporarily left him until a more opportune time. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let every word that will be spoken today, let it not be with enticing words of man's wisdom. Lord, let it be in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power that the faith of every one of us would not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of the living God. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, do you recognize that and have had experience to coincide with it that we often have a tendency to avoid the rough and difficult situations that present themselves in our lives from time to time. You know why? Because we think we have every reason for doing so. We love trouble-free lives, don't we? When our life hits the wilderness, a dry, lonely, and tough period, it is usually challenging to escape what we may call a downturn because the experience seems to negatively impact every area of our personality. Our hearts, our minds, or feel, we feel weary burnt out, and everything appears lifeless and pointless, and sometimes hopeless, especially if it is going on for too long. In our estimation, in most extreme cases, even coming to church and being among people seem to require an extreme amount of energy. And yet, and yet, and yet, the wilderness is not presented as a hopeless place in the Bible. God has used the wilderness to speak to his people. If you are in the middle of a wilderness season, you're actually not alone. God spoke to Abraham while he was in the wilderness. God brought the Israelites through the wilderness because he wanted to teach them some vital lessons. He spoke to Moses in the wilderness. In the wilderness, he met there with Elijah. John the Baptist grew up in the wilderness. Paul was thrown into the wilderness for two years in Arabia for God to communicate with him. Each of us, each of us 
Each of us will at some point in time go through some wilderness experiences. Each of these stories that I made mention on there are many more. Their seasons were not wasted. On the contrary, God used these difficult times, these challenging times for something meaningful and powerful. It is normal. Did I say normal? It is normal to go through wilderness experiences physically. A wilderness, as you know, is an area of land, area of land that has been largely undisturbed by modern development. When God brought his children through the physical wilderness, it was to test them, to test them and show forth his power, his presence, his preservation, his provision. Yes, God wanted to teach them some tremendous lessons spiritually, the Christian is also taken through wilderness experiences for the same purpose. It is not for destructive purposes, but for developmental purposes. I want you to come with me and journey or travel with Jesus. He was operating as a human being. Let's look at him today. Who was sent by God into a tough wilderness environment for 40 days and 40 nights? And he was there alone, the word of God said. Every area of his personality was touched by his, this shaping and fashioning encounter where he did not come out limping. For 960 hours, but with a sense of destiny, a sense of divine determination, Jesus emerged with a backbone of spiritual steel and was happy. Should I say happy? Yes. But he was also highly respected by every high and every low-ranking demonic spirit in the kingdom of darkness, including the chief executive officer, Satan himself. So you're celebrating St. Pentecost, right? Uh-huh. Jesus was thrown into the wilderness after his Pentecost experience. I want that to sink in just for a little while. First of all, when the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, I'm sorry, did I say Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness? Okay, right. I want you to know that Jesus carries some things with him after his experience with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 3. What did he carry first? He carried his heavenly Father's affirmation with him into the wilderness. If you look in Luke 3, verse 21 and verse 22, the word says, Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying... The visible heaven was open. 
and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from where? From heaven. You are my son, my beloved. In you I am well pleased and delighted. Now you recognize the expression here is not thou art my beloved son. Or this rather is my beloved son. It's very personal. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. Another place he said this is my beloved son. But now he, the father, is affirming his son. Before he was launched into the wilderness to begin his 33 and a half years of ministry. So let's look at that verse, those two verses. One, I'm saying that he, Jesus, carried his heavenly father's affirmation with him into the wilderness. The relationship here between him and his father was expressed. The father said, you are mine. You belong to me. We have a good, healthy, powerful, intimate relationship together. So the father was saying to him, you are not a foreigner. I am not somebody distant from you. We have a relationship. And I want you to know that, my son, as you launch and go into ministry. Now, don't forget. Luke 4 and verse 1 says, he was filled with the Spirit. So what relationship was expressed here in that Luke 3? You are mine. But not only relationship, companionship was also expressed. You are my beloved son. Not just son, but you are my beloved. You are precious to me. I put a high premium on you. You are my beloved. I have in my heart a love for you that is far greater than you can ever conceptualize. So you're talking about companionship here. Beloved, special relationship with me, my son. And then the third thing that Jesus, the Father expressed, not only relationship and companionship, but delightfulness. Delightfulness. In you, I am well pleased and delighted. I light up when I see you. I am overjoyed in you when I behold you. You are more than precious and beautiful to me. I am well pleased with your obedience. I'm well pleased with your commitment to the task or the ministry to which I'm assigned in you. After that anointing you've got, I want you to know that as you are thrown into the wilderness, I just want to let you know how special you are to me. And with those words, it brings a great sense of not just joy, but confidence. 
that he was going out, Jesus now was going into this wilderness experience and he could confidently take the affirmation not just of a person but of the heavenly father to whom he had a, a marvelous relationship companionship was top of the line and delightfulness was not just expressed from the lips but it was coming out from the very heart of his father so he could go forth how is it with you So you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh-huh. Do you take this with you, the Father's relationship, companionship, delightfulness that he has in you? When you are going through some of the toughest times in your life, Jesus carried that with him. Secondly, not only did he carry his heavenly father's affirmation with him, but he carried the Holy Spirit approval with him. Third person of the Trinity, he carried the Holy Spirit's approval. Now, the word says, now Jesus, full of and in perfect communion with, that's Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, Jesus, full of and in perfect communication with the Holy Spirit, communication with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, that's when he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit into a wilderness experience into a dark experience, a dismal experience, a horrible environment. What do I see here? Jesus knew as he was carrying the approval of the Holy Spirit with him who led him into the wilderness. Jesus knew the Holy Spirit's power was essential to take with him. He knew the Holy Spirit's power. The word says, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just a top up. He was saturated with the Holy Spirit who has endless power. Power that is generated by himself. He does not need a plug-in. He is already everything full up. You can't exhaust him. And Jesus recognized if I am ever going to go through and be successful in a wilderness encounter experience into wilderness, I have to have this power with me. The Holy Spirit's power. So do we. Do you take his power with you when you're going through? Or do you take your own? Secondly, he not only knew that the Holy Spirit's power was essential, but he knew the Holy Spirit's position was essential. The position of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. So what was Jesus establishing here? What was the word establishing? 
that he was not going before the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was leading him into the wilderness. Up front, he was not just by the side of the Holy Spirit, but every footprint of the Holy Spirit, if I can use that expression, Jesus placed his foot, his feet inside them to follow the Holy Spirit. Where? Into a nice glamorous place? No, into a wilderness experience. So Jesus recognized that the power of the Holy Spirit was essential. The position was essential. And thirdly, he knew the Holy Spirit's presence was essential. His presence was essential. The Holy Spirit was with him throughout the 960 hours of challenge. 40 days. He came back. The word says in verse 14, he came back in the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit never left him. During that period, the Holy Spirit will never leave you in uh, the darkest moment in your wilderness experience. You've got to fire him, but he will never fire you. And Jesus recognized that if I am going to be successful, if I am going to be at my optimum, if I am going to have that experience, exposure, if I'm going to grow and develop and mature, if I am going to know what is in the heart of God for me before I launch into effective and dynamic ministry, I must have the power of the Holy Spirit with me. I must have his position very clear in my mind and his presence must be with me. I can't do it alone. And some of you are going through some experiences that you've never been through in your life before. Follow the example of Christ. He is not there to destroy you, as I said, but to develop you, to bring you to a place of excellence, to be a shining and bright light for the Lord so that others will see not you, but Christ in you and see hope. The Holy Spirit will plan your deserts. We plan your wilderness experiences. And sometimes you can't say, why is this so-and-so, brother, so-and-so ain't going through all of this? It's not for them. Take your eyes off of them. You're living right? Cool. You're walking in righteousness? Good. When such a thing happened to you, start asking the Lord, why me? And why ask the other question, why not me? Would I have been very special for you? You took Jesus through these experiences and he was all right. And you brought him back in the power of the Spirit to be effective in ministry and to be at his optimum for me as he walked and performed that which was essential for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God. The Holy Spirit will plan them for you. It may be personal rela personally related, family related, work related, financial related, friend related, 
church related and any other thing under that. But the Holy Spirit, Jesus in setting the example, recognized he had to carry with him the Holy Spirit's approval, the stamp of approval. And I need the power. I need to understand the position that he must take. I need his presence. So do we. And then thirdly, that is active, special obedience through what he suffered. And you're talking about 30 years. The word learned is an active expression. Obedience just doesn't come along. The word says that Jesus had to learn it through the things that he suffered. Now, how else can you learn an obedience if you do not have something that's staring in your face called disobedience? The word said, Jesus, I want to repeat that, you know, and emphasize it. It is Jesus who learned obedience. The word says in the book that after he came back from the wilderness, from when he was 12 years old, got lost, according to the parents, the Bible said he came back and was subject, obedient to his parents. And as a result, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. There's so many disobedient church people. But you don't know any. Congratulations to all of you. All of you are very nicely obedient. But there are times when the Lord say to you and to me to do some things that we're not ready for, you know. We're not ready for. Yeah, Lord, the other thing, but not that one. Yes, Lord, I'll go this place, but I ain't going that place. I can help her or him, but not the other person. Obedience. Jesus learned Obedience, the word says, Hebrews 5 and verse 8. So he took obedience with him. He was led by the Spirit. He didn't know, and don't forget, he's operating as a human being. He did not know all that was going to be entailed in the wilderness experience, but he was confident being led by the Spirit. He was confident that the Holy Spirit was not going to leave him. And he learned to Follow the Holy Spirit. Or that we would do that. So you're still filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, learned to be obedient to it. Not only did he take obedience with him, but he took the word of God with him. Because three times at the end of every challenge, those are principal temptations, by the way. 
principal temptations, what did Jesus do? He said he drew the lethal power of the sword of the Spirit who was with him. And he said, the Bible says, Satan, the Bible says, Satan, the Bible says, Satan, the power of the word of God. The word of God is not yours, you know. The Bible says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. It is the spirit's sword. But how does it come alive? And how does it become lethal? How does it become dangerous to the enemy? When you speak it. That's me. You have to do what? Read it. You have to, as David said, meditate on it. How long, how often? Day and night. So when Jesus went into the wilderness and the enemy said one two three jesus said one two three with a word and the spirit took the word of the enemy could not stand the power of the word so in your wilderness experience you better carry along the word and let it as David put it very nicely hide it in your heart the word hide there does not mean you don't you put it under a bushel no 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 he's saying that he said pack it in and when you're ready speak it you recognize the third temptation what the enemy says well since we are quoting scripture he's good enough since we are quoting scripture the angels will come, man, and he will come on there. If you look at the Greek, though, it put it this way. It says, when Jesus responded, he said, let me tell you what the Bible really says. It is important, therefore, that at the end to recognize that the devil left him up until a more opportune time. It was too hot to handle that word. You know, we like to draw a quote from this philosopher and quote from this psychologist and quote from this body and that, etc., etc. You see, I mean, when we're going through circumstances of a deep uh, and uh, sometimes perceived as a deadly measure, we like to quote a lot of other people get the word and let it come out from you so the spirit of the living God can become very, very active in destroying the works of the enemy. Jesus decided to follow the Holy Spirit into the wilderness because he knew that while being alone and tempted, there was strength and authority to be gained. Strength and authority to be gained. Now, Let's look at your life and mine. Jesus' physical life was tested in the wilderness. His physical life was tested. The first principle, temptation. Don't forget, every day, 40 days, he was tempted. Not just three temptations. Every day, 40 days and 40 nights. 
the first principle temptation in verse 3 and 4. Satisfy your physical desires, man. Satan comes. After all, you have the power to do it. Stop me fasting, okay? You can kill yourself. You can develop some gas. And it will impair your health. So, come on, be wise. Jesus' response, My spiritual wellness is far more important than satisfying my physical and other desires. It doesn't mean I don't satisfy my physical, but you see you, I know where you're coming from. My spiritual wellness is far more important. Man should not live by bread alone. It doesn't mean you shouldn't live by bread, by bread alone, but by every word which becomes prominent, paramount. Jesus' physical was tested, so will yours be. Jesus' mental life was tested in the wilderness. Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world system under his rule, as Satan's rule, and the magnificence of them, the word says in verse 5. Think on what you are losing out. Think on what you are losing out to make yourself look good, man. Look at the educational part, man. I, I have it in control, you know, a lot of those agencies and so on. Those person, spoken for intellectuals, you know, who don't look at me, who look at, who look at me for their health and their strength and their guidance and whatever. I have the social systems, man, under my control, so I can give them to you. I have the political systems, those that do not look in my direction, have the financial systems. Come on. What are you waiting for? All of these I can release to you so you can be famous, so that you can have clout. So that you can be in a position where many will look up to you and bow down to you. Come on. What was Jesus' response? My heavenly Father's offerings are far superior to what you think you own. I'm not interested. That's what we need to say very often at times. I ball the enemy and let him know that all of the world goods and glory, you can take them. Because what my father has far exceeds all the glory that you want to give to me. And then Jesus' social life was also challenged. Physical, mental, social life was tested in the wilderness. Verse 5 to 7. You are all alone out here. So worship me. I can give you anything you want, you know. Let us be friends, man. And Jesus told him, my best friend is my heavenly father. He's not just a friend. He's the best. 
in fact, he's in a class all by himself. So you have the physical, mental, social. His spiritual life was also tested in the wilderness. Satan calling him to worship him. Abandon your heavenly father and serve me, Jesus. Jesus said, keep where you got. My allegiance is only to my heavenly father. He put it in another version. Your place is not in front of me. Get behind me. I have one person in front of me. My eyes are constantly on him. And he has superior to you everything that I need in every aspect of my life. So keep behind me. I don't have any eyes behind me. And then his emotional life was tested in the wilderness. Satan called on him to show off his security. Let everyone see what great, what great things will happen when the angels come down and protect you. Anything wrong with that? You know what Jesus tell them? I will not yield to your temptation. I know not only who I am, but I know whose I am. And I tell you, what was the result? Satan ran off. He couldn't stand the heat because Jesus not just knew the word, but Jesus was able to declare it with confidence. Accuracy. And also looking beyond that, those expressions, Jesus knew that his father was well pleased with him. And he was prepared now to go forward in the might and in the power and in the strength of the Holy Spirit. In that verse 14, the word says, He returned from the wilderness, not just filled with the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. We like being filled, don't we? And we put a full stop there. You know, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues and I do this and I do that. You are, you know, I feel. I, you let you fill up. You need to get beyond being filled. Jesus returned, not just filled, but in the power of the Spirit. And the fame of him went all throughout the regions, not because of his power, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of him. So he returned to the power of the Spirit. The revelation of God was rich in verse 18 as he read the word. The word of God was razor sharp in verse 22. The demons confess that this is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are talking now about a person filled with the Holy Spirit 
When last have you seen the Lord worked in your life and through your life in your workplace? When last did you see the Holy Spirit move through your life and broke through barriers in the lives of others? When last did you see the Holy Spirit work in your life and allow healing and deliverance and freedom to come from the lives of people? We are not talking about just being filled with the Spirit of God and boast about being filled. We are talking about an example here that we have in Christ, our leader, who made sure that he established the foundation for us. He was filled with the Spirit, yes, but before he went into effective and dynamic ministry, he knew that he was not fully qualified until he went through all of this, taking the affirmation of his father with him, making sure that he was carrying the approval of the Holy Spirit, making sure that he was carrying personal ammunition with him because every area of his life was being challenged in those 40 days. His mental, his physical, his social, his spiritual, his emotional, every one of them was attacked by the enemy. And who are we, followers of Christ, that it will not happen? And therefore, we can boast about Pentecost a million times. But until that power exercises itself, wherever we are, whatever God has called us to do, whatever position we hold in society, God wants to use those areas of our lives to affect change in the lives of people. As Christ did, he said, the worst that I did, the worst that I do, you shall do also. And greater than these shall you do because I'm going back to the, fa the Father and you are my representatives here on earth. So applaud the day of Pentecost. Thank God. But let the power of the Holy Spirit as it flows through Christ affect change not only in your life, because you're going to go through your wilderness experiences as testing, could I say, opportunities for the Lord to prove himself strong and powerful and mighty through you against the strongholds of the enemy that are all around us. I challenge every one of us today to travel with Jesus into the wilderness, whatever form that may take, so that the Holy Spirit can allow himself, with your permission, to be a force with which to reckon in this old generation. Amen. 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 Oh God, oh help in ages past, 
a hope for years to come. Oh God, in this hour where there's so much wickedness and the stench of sin has gone up to your very nostrils and very often we sit very comfortably within the church and applaud whatever and say whatever and sing whatever but our lives often are weak and impotent and we pull on our own human strength rather than the power of the Holy Spirit we curse and behave badly when we are going through testing times in ears of our lives we tell off people rather than elevate them we put ourselves in a position where we put the Holy Spirit on the back burner and we push ourselves forward and we use language and we go places and we do things that are outside of your will and purpose and plan for us and we come back every year on a Pentecost Sunday hoping that the fire would fall again it will not fall again the Holy Spirit inside of you brings every part of his well-being it is not so much or getting more of the holy spirit is the holy spirit getting more of us so that he now can rule and govern and direct and make our lives the kind of quality material that he can use to break through the gates of hell that is loose in our generation and oh that god will resurrect us so that we would be we will learn obedience like jesus did and be led by the spirit to do the works of not the flesh but the works of the holy spirit oh god let it happen let it happen at trinity let it happen, O oh Lord, in our individual lives, following not mankind, but following the example of Jesus Christ, the one who conquered the enemy, who said, For this reason I have come, that I might destroy, undo, render powerless the works of the enemy, Oh, Lord, make our connected link with the Holy Spirit. Be strong, be resolute, so that you, in us, through us, will be glorified. Thank you, Father, for transforming our thinking and our lifestyle for the glory of 